Okay. Pretty good. Okay, great. So we'll do it again. Welcome to Board Game Faith. <laughs> Where we have faith in board games. Or do the board games have faith in us? Oh, I'm, I'm worried you stayed up way too late working on that voice. <laughs> no, it's, it's just it's just a uh, just a sermon crutch <laughs> that's been developed over many years of having oh of having really poor sermons. <laughs> and how how would you use that voice? Um, yeah, it would be if I were talking about uh, usually in an illustration I, I would say the other day I was listening the other day I was listening to a podcast and it was called Board Game Faith and you can kind of you know you can do the microphone around the court or it might be you know to punctuate a particularly um, uh, uh, comically demonic story from the Bible or sure. something you know that, sure. that doesn't involve a lot of tragedy um, mm -hmm. with, um, so it doesn't seem too, uh, um, uh, too in poor taste. Um, and at the moment I'm, I'm drawing a blank. Oh, like, you know, like for, you know, like, and then suddenly, you know, Elisha summoned two she bears, you know, or something like, you know, <laughs> came out of the mountain and mauled the 42 youth. That would probably be a little bit pushing the envelope of poor taste, but. Right. Anyway, but stuff what, like that. What are the youth? What are the youth? Or youth or young people? Do they think it's hilarious, or they think it's a dad joke, or what are they, how do they treat it? Um, I, I, it generally gets a, a, a laugh, and I think the young people like it. Um, I honestly do the the high voice more often. The high voice probably makes it into every sermon at some point when I get. When I get really excited about something, and you know, and it's just so cool, and you gotta, and then Jesus did this, and oh, you know, but um, the, that's more common than the high voice, and then the low voice. But anyway. that's a joke, right? I mean, they they know it's you're doing it intentionally, or is it unintentionally? Um, it's, it's some of both. I mean, sometimes I'll go high just to just to um, yeah, to kind of be funny. But sometimes I think I do get it is my genuine excited voice. Um, uh huh. Yeah. So. Um, yes. And you were saying that you preach a handful of times per, per year. Yeah. I've done pulpit supply for, as they call it in, in the biz. Uh, but, so I've, uh, just giving the address and a time and do I wear a robe or not? And I've, I've been in the Baptist church and the, the Presbyterian church and the Lutheran church. That, oh, wow. that one's, that one's busy. Yeah. You've, there's an acolyte behind you. you Got to worry whether they catch you on fire. Oh my goodness! Wow. Yes. Wow, that sounds um, challenging. <laughs> yes. Yes. And the hardest bits are, where do I stand? How do I get in? Like, just sort of the, you know, if if you're having to lead the worship, if you are right, just preaching, it's pretty easy. But are most of the places uh, such that the expectation is that you are also worship leader in addition to preacher? Usually, yeah, usually, because yeah. it's, you know, it's a weekend where it's a holiday weekend or something. Right. That's got to be tricky. That can be tricky, but people know you're the fill-in, so they also have low expectations. And you don't have to lock any doors. You have no keys. You don't, mm, right? You yeah. just sort of, you're like, okay, thanks, bye, and you hop in the car and leave. That's... And you can reuse the same sermon, which is something John Wesley recommended. So that is That is very cool. I like that. That's a bit of leverage there. I didn't realize Wesley recommended that. That's a good for good for Wesley. 
I heard something about that, that and maybe I'm wrong. I'm no expert. That no, he, I'm sure you're right. One reason they thought, or one reason he said you should move around is because you would otherwise, you can't reuse your sermons. Right, right. Yes. I, I do recall that now. Yeah, like he thought like no preacher had more than three years worth of sermons in them or something like that. Something. Yeah. Which probably do you follow the lectionary? Um, I, I did for many years, but I don't anymore. And, um, I just, uh, I, I feel like every, I mean, it's just, I mean, I don't know what it's like to be any other preacher besides me, but for me, it was like, you know, I, every, I found like, well, like every seven or eight years, I just get so desperately tired of my own sermons, you know, that I have to, I have to find some way to, because I, I do feel like I've said everything I've got to say, and I've done that multiple times, you know, and so, and yet it's the same congregation, you know, so I, 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 every seven or eight years, I feel like I have to kind of change my, my approach to preaching just to, just to keep me mentally mm-hmm. engaged, you know, so I don't just feel like I'm just saying, um, so it's not the same thing. It doesn't feel like the mm-hmm. same thing for me every Sunday, so. So yeah, I, I um we still do lectionary for the uh the high holy seasons, um mm-hmm. often usually, but um but otherwise uh, I'll kinda delve into series and things like that. So Gotcha. Yeah. Yeah. I also in my time serving churches or filling in that I was so ingrained in seminary to use the lectionary, but yeah. I do think it's kind of a mistake because a sermon ought to reflect the interests of the preacher. Mm-hmm. And there's a good chance the lectionary is not going to be something you're interested. It could be. Right, right. But, but I'd much rather it be something of interest. And I guess the danger is you might end up just doing the same sermon over and over and not varying. Right. right. But right. yeah, I want to hear a little. Um, Vava Voom, I guess. Adam Hamilton, who's a, you know, yeah, sort of, I think he's a member of the Trinity at this point in Methodism, right? <laughs> he so is, he is. It's ascended to... <laughs> he and John Wesley Arch- and Kevin yes. Taylor. Kevin, Arch- Archangels. So, um, <laughs> That's right. Three-star right. generals. Uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, but he, he also has a book. I've, I've enjoyed reading his stuff. I think he's an interesting, good guy. And, and um, he, he comments on preaching. Yes. That he says you should not follow the lectionary. So I've had that. So it's when I, pre- I preached yesterday, and I actually was interested in angels and archangels because I'd never thought about yeah. the Bible does list archangels and names them yeah. in the New Testament. Yeah. And as Protestants, we don't go anywhere near that. No, that would be I've never preached on the angels and archangels. The that would concept be... of angels. So I was yeah. interested. So I'm I'm eating my own dog food, which are my ideas and sermons that <laughs> I was like, this is something I'm interested in. And, I love it. I love it. But I have a luxury of that because I don't have to do it every single week. So that's versus well, you've got to, you know, that's tricky. Well, but I think it's the same. I think it's the same idea. It's exactly the same idea of what, is what you're saying. Yeah. That it's just, you know, I, I think you're exactly right. If, if the preacher has to be um, excited and passionate and interested in what they're talking about, or otherwise that communicates through the sermon, you know, in, in one way or another, you know, if the preacher is not interested in what they're talking about, um, you can't, you know, the congregation won't be either because it'll, it'll, that'll communicate Mm. in explicit and implicit ways that, 
I'm not really very interested in this, and I'm just gonna. <laughs> and I'm just here for the for the check and the free communion. <laughs> And covered dish. And the covered <laughs> dish. That's right. And and the truth is, um, you know, full disclosure, there, the, any preacher at a given week is not going to be interested because you yeah. had an f- argument with your family or because you, um, right, you're looking forward to a trip. So that, that's so I mean, true. That's sometimes so true. it's going to be that. that. That's very Can well. you imagine these Catholic priests that say Mass every day? Like that has to really be. Yeah, yeah. Very challenging. Yeah. No, so that's, here we go again. That's very well said. You're exactly right. That's exactly right. Yeah. yeah. Um, uh, so are there any board games that have, um, you know, one thing I thought is that so many people review board games. Yes. Or uh, what are board games you are, what, what's on your list? What board game do you want to get? Oh, do I want to get sense? that I haven't played yet? Yes. Ah, um, that's a great Might question. Might be a curveball there. No, it's good. Well, I mean, the first thing that comes to mind, I do, I do have a BGG wish list that I could, I could, uh-huh, I could look uh-huh. at. But um, that stands for Board Game of Faith. That's right. That's right. That's right. <laughs> um, um, the first thing that comes to mind is because um, I know you've talked about it, and we actually had some friends over for the first time ever this weekend uh, oh, to wow. play board games, and. Um, and one of them had it, but he didn't bring it. Is Sleeping Gods? I, I really oh. want to try Sleeping Gods. Um, I love it so much. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, how about you? What's on your list? Uh, that role player adventures. Yeah, it's a pricey game, but it's a very D and D just be a great story. I love anything legacy story driven mm. because. There's no guilt of I don't play it enough. Like you, you play it for whatever it is, and then you're done. Mm. And you might even be able to share it, pass it along, mm. versus a game that is infinitely replayable. But maybe I don't play. I and I just like a narrative and a story. So yeah. I loved Pandemic Season One, my all-time favorite game. Nice. I just nice. blew my mind. I'd never seen a game do that. And I love the other seasons too. But the first one is particularly. There's a plot twist that, you know. Don't don't read anything about it if you want the surprise. I didn't see it coming, and I just I just rolled around in ecstasy. Afterwards. That's awesome. I was That's like, awesome. "This is so great!" Yeah, I've heard that there is a plot twist. We have Pandemic Season One, and we've played the first two or three chapters, and I assume we have not gotten to the plot twist yet because we haven't encountered something that's made us go "What?" Which yeah. I which I I'm gathering from people is what happens when the plot twist happens. So mm-hmm. um, that's awesome. So. Yeah, do you have any other, outside of Pandemic Season 1, any other favorite narrative games or legacy games like that? I loved all of those. Sleeping Gods is almost that. Like, there's, you can kind of play it because you're in the game, and this is not a spoiler, you're trying to find these idols. Okay. And so there's more and more. You can kind of replay different bits, but but you kind of get the sense of it at a certain point. So that's actually a really cool game that it's almost legacy, but not quite. Okay. There's kind of a niche there. Um, what else have we done? I have not played the Clank Acquisitions Incorporated, which oh, is yeah. supposed to be, and some people say it's better than Pandemic. I had the regular Clank. It's fine. Yeah. I didn't just love it, but, but maybe it just was my mood. But I hear that Acquisitions Incorporated is great. Yes, um, yes. 
And Gloomhaven's kind of got the legacy element. I love Gloomhaven, but the it doesn't end in a way that I guess I thought you would I would you would fight the dragon or there's there's no big climactic finale. No no. It just sort of ends ultimate yeah. boss. Okay. Okay. No ultimate boss. Okay. But but getting to upgrade the characters is is amazing. That's such a cool bit. That's, that's what, what makes it great. That's yeah. cool. That's what I've heard. Yeah. Yeah. We we've done some of um Jaws of the Lion. Mm-hmm. Um um and gotten maybe a little taste of those of that upgrading. That it, it does seem like a really cool mechanism. Yes, and and yeah. in that in both of them, you just have a box with a symbol. So when you're picking, you have no idea. You're like, what's? I guess this person has arrows because it has an arrow on the box. Like <laughs> right. you just pick and you open up, you find out what you are. It, it's a very. Uh, I love that element of surprise and and that mm. something's going to change. Uh, and, and Gloomhaven is great because the cards are your life and your choices. Like you're, if you run out of cards, right, you're exhausted. Right, right, right. So it's so interesting how he did a game without card drafting or dice. It's it's playing cards and matching top and bottom. And yes, yes. It's just awesome, yeah. That's, that, yeah, that is very, very clever. And some cards are used once, so then they're gone. Mm. So they're real powerful, but that means you'll have less less life later in the game. Later in that uh, session I see, round, I see. Because you can't shuffle, because you know, you're going to shuffle and lose a card. But if you're already losing them, you'll have less down the road. Because when you run out of cards, you're 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 done. You're exhausted. Yeah. yeah, that is very clever. Yeah, that's a great a great mechanism. Have you tried Have you tried um, Seventh Continent? Yes. Yeah, I have yeah, played that one. Yeah. Okay. I, I, Something you enjoy or, or not, or I, I have mixed feelings. What do you think? I'm, I'm gonna... um, uh, yeah, we have it too. Um, I, I I did enjoy it a lot. I I have played it primarily solo. Um, I there are certain games that, um, if I just try and try and try over and over again, and I keep failing at the, whatever the, the goal is after a certain, you know, it, that happens a little while and it's like, Oh, I am more motivated than ever to, uh, to play this game. But after, after X number of times, it's, I, I almost just find it discouraging. It's like, man, I'm doing this for fun. I'm not going to keep doing this just to keep failing all the time. And that's kind of what happened with, with seventh continent. I just, I hit one of the, um, the campaigns, I forget what they call it, that I just couldn't succeed at. And I, I, I think I just kind of got discouraged after a while and stopped playing it. Um, yeah. How about you? Yeah. That that's my experience too. Yeah, that it, yeah. it it I love the ideas of exploring and picking, but but um, it's a really hard game, and yeah. you really have to figure out how to survive and eat. And I, I don't even see how you beat it on the normal level. Maybe it's just me, but I had to sort of cheat, which doesn't feel good to to figure out how to survive that long and travel. And sometimes the choices are really dire and you have no way of knowing what's good or bad. It's right. like go left or right, left you die, right? You get a crown. <laughs> right. It gives right. you more immortality. <laughs> but they're not right. gonna tell you that till it's too late. So you're supposed to, I guess, take notes and then replay it. Like a groundhog day kind of thing. Yeah, where you just kind do of do it over and yeah. over again. Yeah. And you start on that same island every time. So yeah. but but uh there's so many cool things in it. I think I got my money's worth. It's not pricey. No, no, yeah. 
Yeah, it's a, it, it's it, it 40 is a, bucks something. Yeah. yeah. I can't remember. Yeah, I do enjoy it a lot. I just, I think it just kind of ran its course for, mm-hmm. for me. You can get diarrhea in that game. <laughs> you can really? Eat the bread. Yeah. There's a card a state of. <laughs> I've never gotten diarrhea in that game. Wow. If you eat certain berries, then it, yeah, yeah? some oh, things I'm... will give you. Then you have to find it, go to a toilet symbol, I think. Yeah. Really? I've so there's that. some funny humor in it. That's, well, that's quite, cool. Yeah. You know, that, I know you're playing, you said that you all like Destinies, and we recently got Destinies, and I think what I like about Destinies as compared to Seventh Continent is um, that right from your very first turn in Destinies, you know what you're supposed to be working on. You know, like you, you've got mm-hmm. this, and I, and I kind of like that. I, I, there was something about Seventh Continent, you know, that you, it seems like on Seventh Continent you have to expend a whole lot of energy just to figure out what you're supposed to do. Mm-hmm. And then even after, and then you have to spend even more energy to actually do what you just figured out are supposed to do. But mm-hmm. destiny is it, it, it. I like that having a sense of this is my mission. You know, right from the very, mm-hmm. right from the very beginning. Um, oh, yeah, you said yes. you, you all are, are destinies. Fan. Yeah, that's one that we yeah. played and then we haven't gotten back to. And uh, it, that's a really cool game. Yeah, I, I like yeah. a lot about it. And that would be another legacy. Yeah, list yeah. game. There is still a little of. You're supposed to talk to the happy monk, and then you're desperately walking, trying to find the happy monk, and oh, not okay. you know. Yeah. There's there's some yeah. of, yeah. Depending on how you explore, you may have a very different game. That makes sense. So I think in one of them, there's an angel, but it wanted me to get something to talk to it, and then by the time I got it, the angel had left, and I was like, dang it, I wanted. So I guess I need to replay it to just want to find out what the angel was going to do. Okay. Okay. But I think all the stories are interrelated about this cult and plague and okay. whatever's going on in this town. Have you gotten that sense? Yeah, I think so. I, I assume at some point the the uh, the ginormous mini is going to come out, but and I assume that's somehow tied into the overarching story. Mm-hmm. I haven't gotten to it yet. Mm-hmm. But... Mm-hmm. Pardon me, I want to cough. How does one cough on a podcast? Well, you you force air out of your lungs. <laughs> so, um... That's what it's funny was, you don't know how what I was doing wrong so, <laughs> so just to double ch- so it does not involve ears are you an right? android are you an android <laughs> pardon me human how does one cough <laughs> no, don't tell pardon, pardon me uh, I really, I better, okay I'm going to do it right well now. we can either edit it out later there we go I just no that's vomiting confident the microphone <laughs> So tell me about some of your your thoughts about board games and spirituality or faith, because you've done some research and thinking, haven't you? Yeah, I uh, I, I think I first got interested in it uh, just because I started uh, a board game group in the church that I was serving at the time. Uh, that was because I just got into the hobby and I had all these games that I was buying. And I, and it was totally not fair to Kristen to keep saying, keep asking her to play these games with me. And I wanted people to play with, so I started this group very selfishly at the church. So as a pastor, you started a ministry, right? That I, that's right. That you were exactly. interested in, yes, a very exactly. self-serving <laughs> ministry. That's right. And um, and and I think what, but what surprised me as we got into that week after week was, I think the first thing that hit me was just how. Um, it 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 brought together 
just such a wide variety of people and 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 crossed uh, a lot of divides that uh, folks don't normally or very easily cross um, consistently especially along the the age spectrum um you know i brought in college students and and retirees um every week and still does at the church i'm at now where i started it you know uh, and we even go younger now we've got like nine-year-old kids all the way up to up to people who've been retired for many many years and then everybody in between but but beyond that too just every kind of not every kind of divide but but many of the kind of divides that we see that just people just don't seem to it doesn't seem to matter as much when you're around a board game table because no one's like taking themselves super seriously i mean they are in a way you know because like some people are like i gotta win this game but on the other hand Oh, you just did the voice. Yeah, I got. I got to win this game. Got to win this game. Yeah. Um, um, but, but on the other hand, even then, in a way, people on a deeper level aren't taking it seriously. It, you know, like they, we all know at the end of the day that we're playing a game, and and that just got me thinking about you know, hmm. there is a certain kind of grace in that in this forced time together to interact with other human beings when we're. Um, freed from this seriousness that we think we have to layer everything we do with, you know, and, and, um, oh, that's interesting. And it was, and I, and it, it seemed like such a, a graceful moment. Um, uh, it, it sounds silly, but I, you know, I think the thing, the moment, the other moment I could probably compare it most to in terms of my own emotional response to it was like communion. It was, it was just this, it, it, it because that's the other time in church where uh, I feel like we're all connected, you know, and mm-hmm. we all come down the center aisle before COVID and, you know, and, and, and I know that this person voted for Trump and this person voted for Biden. And I know, you know, that this person, you know, is, is this person is living on the streets and this person is living in a mansion and we're all coming down, you know, and, and, and it's a similar kind of vibe in, in some ways around the table. Um, so that got me thinking, you know, well, you know, what are some other uh, ha- spiritual lessons or realities from, from board gaming? And uh, so I've, I, I've started to um, buy books on the subject and try to do some research on it. Um, one of the things that has surprised me in, in, in doing some of this research is just the... Uh, the ubiquity of what we would call tabletop games um, almost from the very beginning, you know, of, of human history. It seems like, you know, um, as long as there's been recorded history in virtually every civilization um, around the world, there are these games that you play on flat surfaces, you know, mm-hmm. um, and, um, you know, in, in, um, South America and Africa and Asia and Europe and North America, you know, and, um, and largely they can be grouped into primary families of, of games, uh, but they were, um, for much of history, considered you know something that was very appropriate for adults to do, and it wasn't just until, as I read it, you know, um, the um, um, the rise of the of the Protestant work ethic, you know, that uh, the idea developed. This is really primarily for children, you know, mm-hmm. um, that, that you know, adults don't proper adults 
don't have time to uh, to, to play such you know to, to play anything. Uh, our value comes from working constantly. Um, and and Wesley was against cards and games, right? Although that may have been a gambling aspect. But. I think I think you may be right. Yeah, I haven't looked. I mean, my, and for him, I don't know if it was the work ethic or just you. You know, why would you waste your time? Because right. you could be right. You could be riding away from um, his terrible marriage so he could go preach somewhere because <laughs> that's right. That's right. Yeah, <laughs> he had no luck with women after his mother. So. <laughs> Why wouldn't you get on a horse? No one can compare it to Susanna. Yeah. No. Um, the you know, and that was that's that's been an interesting theme too. You're right. Like through throughout a good chunk uh, of of history, as I've read it, is yes, that there's this association with games with um, with vice, right? Yeah, yeah like mm-hmm. you know, like uh, uh, particularly gambling. But then, just as as long there's there's been an association of, of games with with virtue, like. Um, especially as a, as a vehicle for divination, you know, like from the, you know, um, yeah, right. we would just say, you know, we're rolling dice today, but back, you know, in, in many societies and many, and many places, you know, in, in human history, you did something comparable to, mm-hmm. to discern the will of the gods, you know, what, you and, know, what and in the Bible, right? Yeah. Thuman yeah, exactly. and Thuman. I mean, Thuman and Thuman. That's Thuman and Thuman. That's such... Is, uh, and they drew lots to replace Judas. Exactly, exactly. So yes, yeah, I had, yeah. yes, yeah, that is a yeah, game. Yep. Um, and, a and, terrible game because <laughs> <laughs> you really have no, you have no agency as a player. It, yeah. I guess you pick, but you have no information when you draw lots. It's it's probably not, would or be in the draws, BGG draws. Top 100. Probably, no, <laughs> no. I, I doubt it. Now, if they, if they threw okay. in the legacy aspect, it might be. Here's what we're going to do. Yeah, yeah. We're going to start a board game company and we make authentically biblical games. <laughs> and they're all $100 and you you get like two pairs of dice or a bunch of short straws. And um, <laughs> it's biblically authentic and we can target the Southern Baptist Convention and we'll make millions. I bet we would make a lot of money. I bet it from, yeah. from or, you know, any, any tradition where people want to uh, prove uh, the depth of their piety through the games that they play. Exactly. Um, we could, and you can never admit it's a terrible game. No, but it's, it's it's biblical. It's the game that uh, God played. You know? <laughs> <laughs> how are you going to question God? Exactly. <laughs> God's like, this is my favorite say- game. <laughs> <laughs> this is my voice. Stop using it. <laughs> um, yeah. So, um, and, and huh. then, um, and then the other virtue connected with gaming did arise well no 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 this was even before the protestant work ethic um whole idea but um it, it there's a history especially among in in um in some asian uh, civilizations ancient uh, asian civilizations um uh, particularly like in, in in buddhist monasteries uh game has kind of uh, achieved this almost kind of um meditative role where um, they were seen as instilling these these virtues. Um, I did not know that. Yeah, and 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 in some wow. uh, some Asian uh, military um, schools as well. I'm probably not using the right word, but um, you know, when chess started out, kind of as a military strategy. Yeah, yeah. Out of yep, China. Yeah, I think. I, I I don't know, but I forget the origin. But it's, that sounds right. Yeah. It's not American. No, 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 no. Not maybe Uve, maybe, but. <laughs> um, it's German, but uh, yeah, the um, but but then that that same idea, it's um, 
of, of instilling virtues um, did um, progress like up through the, like in Victorian England, you kind of saw that a lot where, and, and this wasn't for children, um, but the sense that uh, these games were created for children that really did not look like very interesting games. But in fact, like the first, I think they call it the first modern board game was, I think it was called like the House of virtue or something like that where it was this it was this this board game for for children but it was it was intended to instill certain virtues in them you know as they went around or things like that so oh, that's so interesting yeah, yeah. um but yeah, yeah i can go ahead go ahead yeah no i if, uh, i can riff for a moment on that because i've been interested in tragedy and and sort of theology and and there's a mm. similar issue going on with with just literature and tragic literature and things in Christianity, going back to even St. Augustine and Tertullian, these early church leaders mm -hmm. that Tertullian said, you know, why would you go to these Greek tragedies where people do bad things and then die horrible deaths, typically? Mm -hmm. uh, and and Augustine, the, our word hypo hypocrite comes from the Greek, no, Latin. Is it Latin or Greek? I'm not sure, actually. Might it might be the Latin, but it's it, it's the word for actor. Okay. So really? there's this idea uh, that being on stage is is lying because you're pretending to be someone else. Wow. And so there's that theme of of it's not virtuous, and mm. why why read these stories that don't make moral sense? Mm. And and so that's a theme in in some elements of Christian theology. Others are are totally fine with it, but. Um, but yeah, it just reminds me of that debate that, that what's the role of something that doesn't seem intrinsic to religious life, whether it's Netflix or fiction or novels or games, like what, what's the place of it? Yeah. And, yeah. and, uh, there's a, there's a debate within at least Protestant right. Christianity and other religions probably have similar debates to some degree. I also love the bit about the game ends and it, it, it you were talking about this earlier that it's sort of a finite experience, mm -hmm. and as a as a game, um, it's like we all, and and communion even communion you get served communion it ends and then it sort of get out like mm -hmm. get out of here. Mm -hmm. And the board game you have a chance to do this thing and it it kind of matters, but then you're going to box it up and go on with your life. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So it's it's it, it's game theory of it's replayable. Um, you, you're not really going to die in the game. Right. Or watching Netflix, that's not you on stage. So you get to do it, but you get to then leave. I don't know. There's something There's something there, I think. Yeah. I, I've heard games described as, I'm sure you have too, but you know, it's this, this sense that, you know, someone coined the phrase of the magic circle, right? That you enter this, you enter this magic circle yeah, yeah. where uh, different, a different set of rules apply than the than the rules of the rest of life, but but within the bounds of this magic circle, you know they're every bit as valid as anything else, and 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 for that time you get to be uh, a different a different person or a different version mm -hmm. of yourself, and you interact with others according to these different set of rules. Um, yeah, and then you're right. At some point, that magic circle dissolves. But I, I get yeah. I mean, it raises the question. I mean, it's probably true of like you know all arts you know and, and which by the way i think board game as art would be a great discussion point too you know but just yes, yeah but just how you know is there intrinsic value you know 
worth for that in in that in the soul you know for the soul for life um or you know as uh as as you know as the i've got to have a better word than the than the protestant work ethic work ethic but um you probably know a better phrase for that but uh, you know that idea that you know this is all a waste of time and you know yes waste of time or it's going to actually cause spiritual harm in some way right right like maybe a ouija board or whatever but it may also just be it it, it, i guess i'm thinking more of watching say breaking bad like why would you watch that it's just going to give you the idea of oh i should be a drug dealer too (laughs) right right right. and that's what the early church tertullian and others they're like don't go to the gladiator fights why would you want to watch that yeah of course that's a little different that that's real violence not fake Mm -hmm. So, so part of it to me is a sense of irony that you're watching a show that you know is fake or you're reading a novel that you know is fiction mm-hmm. or you're entering that, that circle of the game, but the whole time you know it's just a game. Right, right. Right, like you never, you're, you enter this world, but you, you also know eventually you've got to go pick up the kids. Yeah, yeah. So there, yeah. there's an ironic tension there between the game and the fact that the game must end, seems to me. right. So what is it doing? I don't know. Yeah. To what extent? It, I guess that's the question. Yeah. Does it impact life outside of that circle? And in, in what way? Yeah. And you know, then there, there's also the tradition that that is when we're most human. I mean, that that, that, that is when we are our best selves. Uh, um, uh, Schiller um, talks about that. Um, is, is the, the German philosopher that we're that he, a human, I forget the quote, I could find it somewhere, but by the way, I've got all my games and spirituality books up here. So that's why I keep looking up here. Um, <laughs> I thought it was your guardian angel or something. <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh, Gabe. Oh, Gabriel. Gabriel. Look, look upon me with favor. Um, <laughs> as I do the voice <laughs> reveal, reveal to me, um, the wisdom of games. Um, but Schiller talks about this as this that we're we are we're never more human, which he means in a positive way, than we are when we play. Um, Interesting. And it brings up the larger question of pe- play as well. Okay. Which he he talked about art and beauty, but I didn't realize he talked about play. Yes, I think it was part of that same. I don't know essay. much about him besides that. Yeah. I don't either. I don't either. But um, it's I, you know, and and one thing I, I guess it's hard to talk about games without talking about play. And um, the distinction is a little bit more, seems a little bit more black and white in English, but some of the folks I read have made the point that, you know, in in a lot of languages, it's not a different noun and verb um, to talk about playing a game. Um, It's it's the same, it's just the noun and verb form of the same idea. So in German, you spiel a spiel, right? And and in... in, uh, in French, you jeu a jeu, you know, uh-huh. and 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 English in some ways is kind of weird in that we have two separate things. We play a game, but um, kind of using this this mindset of uh, that some of the other languages take. You know, a game is anything that we play. Whenever we play, it's a game. You know, mm-hmm. um, whether we might label it as um, a game in English or not. You know, that a game is always the object to play. Um, and, and so anyway, so which I think, so I, I think talking about games, it's hard not to also talk about just 
Gosh, what is the role really to play in life? Yeah. You know, yeah. Um, and it, and it, it, it makes me think of sports as well, because I think in Spanish, oh. game, right? Juego? I don't is know Spanish. Same? Uh, I, I don't know much either, but I think that's the... But the same idea. Play, yeah, I may be, Interesting. I may be totally wrong on that. But, but, but sports is a similar experience mm-hmm. of, mm-hmm. of you enter this soccer pitch, field, whatever, yeah. and you're going to pretend... That you know you can't go past this line, and then once the game's over, you can walk past that line. Right, right, yeah. But, yeah. but during it, like this is offsides, yeah. magically. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it ends in two hours, and then we everyone leaves. Yeah, yeah. It's a, it's a, it's a game. It's a game. Yeah, yeah. But instead of, well, there's yeah, there's strategy, but then there's the physical component that right. most board games are not. Yeah, yeah. Using. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, sports would be a whole other episode, maybe. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I like that. That's really good. I'm not actually a sports guy, so I, I'm not either. Let's not do it. Okay. No, I'm, yeah, I'm with the, you. Yeah, I, I've exhausted. That's going to be a short episode. No, yeah, I've already exhausted my <laughs> sports knowledge just in this conversation. <laughs> there exists a thing called sports, <laughs> and it's weird as a guy, isn't it? Because. <laughs> The minute you're around a bunch of people that start talking about oh, the Braves, I know, and, I know, I know, I know, it's so funny. I know every every Sunday, every every year before Super Bowl Sunday, or the I have to ask someone to tell me afterwards who won because, right, just because I know everybody will be talking about it at church. Um, you know, I I think I don't know, another. I haven't read all of this yet. I'm not going to show books. Do you mind? Is that okay? Or, uh, yeah. I, no. I haven't read and I, I can't see myself, but can you see that book? The Grasshopper? Have you heard of The Grasshopper? Yeah. No. Yeah. Um, Bernard Suits. I haven't read all of it yet, um, but it, this is kind of, it's a philosophical treatment of the role of games in life. And, and the premise is, you know, the old um, um, parable um, about the ant and the grasshopper. You know, the ant the ant, you know, works really hard and saves up for the winter. And I, I'm doing that voice all the time now. Uh, but I don't know this parable, actually. Yeah, well, it's it, that, um, um, is it an Aesop thing? But it's this idea that the ant works really hard and saves up uh, food for the winter. And then the grasshopper comes along as the, uh, as the winter is coming on and says to the ant, Ant, I'm so hungry. Uh, could you please give me some food for the winter? And the ant says, no. So you should have worked harder during the year. What were you doing? And the grasshopper was like, oh, I was just playing. And, uh, and, and, and the, you know, the, the moral is, you know, you got to work hard because winter's coming and you don't, don't waste time playing. But the whole premise of the book is the grasshopper got it right. <laughs> that, um, and again, I, I haven't read the whole thing yet, but, that's cool. Uh, it's the sense that, and, and I, I think that kind of gets the sense of, I think there's the sense that there is, um, allowing ourselves to play. And again, if 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 games are what we do when we play, you know, then that's kind of the same thing. You know, if allowing ourselves to play, in some ways. Um, is is uh, an act in trusting in this in this reality of grace, right? That it's just that it's that we 
we give up on the on the sense that we have to prove ourselves. We give up on the sense that we have to um, um, strive continuously to persuade others or to uh, as much as I you know want to make the world better and things like that. But you know, it, we we just exist in this grace of existence, you know, and we're not trying to produce anything. We're just enjoying the gift of existence, you know, and, and I, uh, I think there's mm -hmm. some theological mm -hmm. truth to that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's sort of an yeah. idea of paradise. Yeah. Yeah. A, li a little bit of, a little bit of bit paradise in that, in that magic circle for, for yeah, a little bit a little of time. Of it, which yeah. is more appealing to me than singing in choirs for, I mean, I love music and I love choir, but yeah. I, I don't want to spend eternity <laughs> singing. <laughs> <laughs> but if we have games then yeah. there's there's a little more risk than me hitting a flat note or something yeah yeah i like the eternal um twilight imperium game or something <laughs> <laughs> i think that's that's every twilight Imperium. Game. <laughs> yeah that'd be great that'd be good no i'm with i'm with you i it, that's the kind of stuff i'd love i'd love to To explore and then there's also have you, the sense of finite and infinite games um have you heard about that or, or no no you you've the, um you're way ahead of me on this well i'm not i'm this research no you are because i've not read any books but i'm going to start you're inspiring me if if you're interested i can share with you what what books i have i've gotten i'm sure there are a lot more the holy grail is a um a, a moltmann book on um it's, I think it's called The Theology of Play. It's out of print, and Amazon has it for like $400 or something. But anyway, I have a friend who sent me a few... Malt, Maltman the Theologian. I think so, yeah. Interesting. What? I didn't realize he... Um, right. Maybe I'm wrong on that? No, I, I, um, I don't know much beyond his name. Um, but there, So there's this, this uh, finite and infinite games. And, and you know, that, that whole idea is, yeah, that there are two kinds of games. You know, there are the... Um, the point of finite games is to win and the point of infinite games is to keep the game going, you know? Um, so and, what's an, inf give me an example of an infinite game. I mean, I guess, you know, in some ways life could be seen as, you know, an infinite game if you kind of, but I, I also think a more, a more practical example would be like, um, like the Sims, you know, if you want to go like a video game, okay. you know, like uh -huh. this game where there really is no win condition. The point of the game is just to keep the game going, you know? And, um, so anyway, there's, there's, there's that. I have not read this one at all yet. So this was the first book that was recommended to me by some folks. I've gotten to know some folks out in Pittsburgh who are kind of into theology and play. They make great, mm -hmm. great guests sometime. They recommended me this book, Robert Neal in Praise of Play. It was written back in the 60s. Um, he's actually still alive. He was a professor um, at a union seminary. Um, he retired back in the eighties and has dedicated himself to being a full-time magician and origami master. Isn't that awesome <sighs> to retire so from awesome. seminary and go do that? Yes, um, yes. then, um, um, this was another one that I haven't read yet, but Homo Ludens, um, I guess it's, it's a Dutch philosopher from the early 1900s about how, you know, we're, we're here to play, um, mm -hmm. 
um, this is a brand new like one. Homo sapiens. Yeah, right? exactly. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, this is a brand new one that I haven't. I've also not read yet. But games agency as art um, hmm. by a um, professor of philosophy at Utah Valley University, um, and then there's some other a few other things too. But um, well, yeah. Then I'm sorry. This is probably stop me if this is getting too boring. Uh, this will be the last one I'll do. Um, this by Jane McGonigal, Reality is Broken. This is about video games. Mm-hmm. But um, anyway, why games make us better and how they can change the world. Um, and that whole topic about, you know, gamifying reality too, you know, is, mm-hmm. is there a way to... Um, anyway, I've, I'm sorry, I've talked a lot there. Thank you. No, for that's, um, that, is, that is really great to know that people are exploring this topic and trying to make sense of it because it, it is a uh, feels it feels oddly neglected as you were saying at the beginning that every culture has every culture creates religion every culture tells stories so i think that's a big rowan williams thing about we're narrative creatures yeah and also we need to add to that every culture um, creates games on some level it really tells us about the human condition mm-hmm. and people are trying to make sense of what what is that and obviously right we're not really sure right right yeah but we might meet martians and the martians have no gods and have no board games oh you know i know i know it's awful <laughs> but they just do math all day <laughs> <laughs> I found X. Well done. Ah, 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 ah. <laughs> Square root of 49. Mm. Square root. Ah. ah. And when, when they conquer us, I welcome them. I, I They're absolutely right. Yeah, it's, it's a good... We'll, we'll be hunted down by them for this podcast. Maybe so. We'll be we'll be deep state enemies. Well, I'm glad that Martian you... Martian overlords. But at least yeah. we have some record of your loyalty to them, your fealty <laughs> to the Martian mathematical overlords. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm glad for it. I'm glad for it. Um, yeah. yeah. Well, I think this is a good stopping yeah. point. Thank uh, you. Thanks to everyone. And yeah, this was great. Listen Kevin. up for the next episode. Yeah. Sounds great. Thanks. All right. Goodbye. Bye-bye.